Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today we're going to talk about, uh, I don't know, I guess one of the things that's a little bit of a downside of deciding to move away as an adult. We talk a lot about the upsides and, well, I guess we talk a lot about the downsides too. This it is, is a, a bittersweet life, Katie. What can I say? That's right. And it's not all roses and flower petals. It is sometimes sacrifice and giving up certain things for other things. Specifically, mm. you were saying about what, Tiffany? Well, about friendships. I was thinking about this recently because I was trying to communicate with one of my friends back home. I won't say who, just in case she's listening, which she isn't. (laughs) (laughs) She might be. You never know. She might be. You never know. So someone who I'm very, very close to and love very, very dearly and have been close to since I was a child. And I was having a hard time like getting the response back, getting timely answers to my messages. And it made me think about a bigger issue, which is this. An expat, you know, moves away from their country and they're what we say in Italy, there's this an expression, historic friends, amici storici. Hmm. Your historic friends are like the friends of your childhood. Yeah, I like they're that. They're not the chan- you know, they're not the friends of the last few months or even few years. They're your friends from many, many years. Maybe not childhood. If you're in your 60s, maybe you're if you've had these friends since you were in your 30s, you could still call that a historic friend. But just people that you've been friends with for a significant amount of time. So you leave these people, you know, we talk a lot about leaving family, but you leave your friends too. And you move to a new place and you start making new friends. But the problem with making friendships as an expat is that very, very often the people that you make friends with leave mm-hmm. because not lots of people move abroad, but fewer people stay. That's true. You know, e- either they move back, they have their experience and they move back, or they might be serial expats, or they might be corporate expats who get moved around a lot. They might be diplomats. So it's a certain type of expat who moves, who becomes an immigrant, basically, who moves and stays. There's not as many. Mm-hmm. So what happens is you create a friend circle, and then one by one, your friends start to leave. Yeah. And you have to then make a new friend circle. And then that might last for a while. And then one by one, those friends start to leave too. So it's hard to create long friendships as an expat. And you might have some people who come into your life who are so close to you and you feel such an affinity with. They're wonderful. But then, you know, after two years, it's over and you might keep in touch with them, but it's it's just not the same as having someone always there. So, So my thought was this. I'm sitting here in Italy. I have some great friends here and I have some even long-term friends here. I've been, I've been pretty lucky that I have a few friends who've been doing the long haul like me, but there's nothing like my friends from back home. Just, there's no comparison. And when I go to the States and I spend time with you or with our other long, long friends, I feel it. And Mm. I feel like, oh, you know, these are the people who really know me. They know me so well. I don't have to try to be polite. I don't have to watch what I'm saying because they know me. And if I say something really rude on accident, they know that that's not really me. There's just some amazing amount of comfort in that. Getting to my point, and I know this is a very long preamble. (laughs) I feel like I'm over here in Italy 
And I feel like my real friends are back in the States. But meanwhile, my real friends back in the States have all moved on Mm. because they're still living in their hometowns. So their closer friendships are naturally going to be with the people who have stayed where they are. Mm. And they may still love me and still care about me and still value my friendship. But the reality is I'm far away and I don't see them very much. So naturally they will have deepened their friendships with other people. So I feel like expats were all like, yeah, my real, fr-. I mean, we don't say this, my <laughs> real friends, because obviously my friends here are my real friends too, but it's like my real friends back home. But meanwhile, like you may consider that person your best friend, but you're not their best friend. They filled <laughs> that role while you've been away. Well, I mean, that may or may not be true. I mean, that's hard to say because, you know, best friends are few and far between. But yes, they probably have people that they call on and certainly see more often Yeah, it's interesting. That's a really interesting quandary. And also, like, when you do get a chance to come back to the States, if you do see us, I mean, you see me all the time, so I'm a little bit different. But if you do see your other friends, you still only see them for like a night. Maybe you go out for dinner or like a couple drinks or something. And then you're here to see so many people that you really kind of grab just a few hours with everybody also. So there's also that time crunch when you come back. I mean, yeah, I totally get that feeling. I mean, I get that feeling. I think this feeling exists actually, even just moving away from your hometown in general, even if you don't move all the way across the world. And and even if you move away temporarily, like I found that, yeah, I'm back in Seattle, but for the last seven years or so, I've been moving around a lot. And so I am also one of those people that I think has become a little bit more absent in people's minds around here. Mm. It seems sometimes to me, and who knows if it's true, that you don't think to call me because I haven't been here. I've been in San Francisco. I've been traveling all over the place. I've been in Italy. Like, who the heck knows where Katie is at any given time? (laughs) She's constantly moving around. Um, But then I also don't know how much of that has to do with age either. Have we just gotten to a point where people just don't do as much? Just the other night I was joking with Derek. It was Friday night and I said, and of course the pandemic uh, threw us for a loop as well. But I said, you know what? I seem to remember that we used to do things on Friday night. You saw people. You, You went out somewhere. You know, sometimes I don't even think to do it. I don't even think to make the plans. So sometimes I think, is it just because we're not in our 20s? And if we were in our 20s, would it be different? Probably. I mean, I think when you get married, you don't feel as much of a need to reach out to your friends just because you have somebody there all the time. (laughs) I mean, I remember myself before I had children, when my friends started to have children, I would stop myself before reaching out to the friend, my friends with kids, because I'd be like, oh, they're not going to be available. Like they're not going to be able to go out. So I'm not even going to ask because, you know, maybe it's going to be, maybe that's rude to like ask my friend with a two-year-old, like if she wants to go out on Saturday night, I'm just not even going to ask her. But then when I, you know, when I had a kid, obviously the first year is kind of like, for me anyway, it was like all bets are off. But after that, I'm like, I wonder if my friends don't call me to go out because they think I won't be able to because I have a kid. That's a bummer. Yeah, yeah. So I think that I think that age and you know marital status, parental status will put a damper for sure on your social life if you don't actively and proactively try to keep it alive. Yeah, for Um, sure. Maybe the the real thing is that if nobody's calling, then you have to be the one calling. But this doesn't get to your bigger question, which is 
that, yeah, with the majority of the people who would be your longest friends, you have a nine hour time difference. So the vast majority of our day is when you're sleeping and mm -hmm. vice, vice versa. versa. Yeah. Especially with our mutual friend, Suzanne. So Suzanne is, we, we've talked about her on this podcast many times. She's a night owl, as you know, mm -hmm. and I can't, sometimes I can't figure, I'm like, is that mean that she's awake more when I'm up? Or does that mean she's like, I, I feel like we have a 12 hour difference. She was in Hawaii for a little bit. And there literally was a 12 hour difference between us. And I was like, finally, we're awake at the same time. Now that we have a 12 hour difference, we're awake at the same time at 10 AM and 10 PM. We're both awake. Whereas usually if we send each other messages, I'm always asleep when she sends me her messages and she's probably asleep yeah. when you send messages. So yeah. yeah. The only time sometimes we manage to talk is when it's 7am for me and she hasn't gone to bed yet. It's, it's never the other way around. It's never when it's evening time for me. And the other interesting thing is the, I mean, we encounter it a little bit on this show is exactly what you're saying. 7am to like when she's about to go to bed, you're also never in the same mindset really. Yeah. You know, it's always like, I'm talking to you right now. We're actually talking earlier than usual, but usually when I'm talking to you, it's, it's nighttime and, yeah. you know, thank goodness that you can function at night at 9 PM and want to record a show. Cause otherwise this would be impossible. Well, I'm not that good at night. I'm better at this time. I feel just the fact that it's 6 30 where I am 6 30 PM. Wow. I feel so much more awake and with it than I usually do. So maybe we need to, to switch it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I totally get that in the morning time. I don't want to sit and have a long conversation with anyone in the morning. If she were to call me and it was like 10 PM for her and 7 AM for me, you know, she's winding down for the day. She might want to have a long chat. I don't, I need to get things done. It's the morning. I need to do stuff. I need to start work. Mm -hmm. um, and when it's evening time for me, it's like noon for her. So it's, it's just never quite the right time. It's different for us because this is our job. This is one of our jobs. So we, we make it a priority, but when it's just a chat with a friend, it's, it's easy to be like, Ugh, it's just not the right time. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I was just talking to a man that I actually met in Rome. He was actually, I believe, the very first person that I ever met when we were there, just because he was a part of the program, the uh, scholarship that Derek was under. And so he was almost one of those people that's meant to sort of orient the people in the program to what's going is his on. Name AJ? Yes, his AJ. name is AJ. <laughs> yeah, we just had lunch with AJ. And AJ has been back here in the Seattle area. He's actually from the Seattle area. I've always known that, but I've never really associated with him here. I always associate him with Rome. Uh, you know, I picture him being in Rome. Now he's back here after being in Rome for about the last 12 years, I think. And in part of the way, reason he came back was because he had a really hard time finding full-time work in Rome. Like he would get a whole bunch of different jobs. He was working full-time. But it mm -hmm. wasn't like one place paying him full time. And so as a result, you know, he felt like for his age, he's just not making the kind of income that you'd want to be making to mm -hmm. feel like you're on a solid footing and that one day you may be able to retire. And I think yes. that was getting frustrating. But I think it was also this exactly what you're talking about, this real churn of friends 
and especially because he was often in a position to orient people to the city, he was meeting new people all the time. And those people would come and they'd be there for nine months, a year, and they'd go. And a lot of times when we were talking with him over lunch, he would say, did you know so-and-so? I think you guys were there at the same time. And we, oh, no, we've never met that person. And he goes, oh, see, I just have such a hard time remembering who was there, mm-hmm. who overlapped? Like, even in his friend group in his mind, he can't even remember who was there at the same time. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It's kind of it's kind of unpleasant to feel like I'm the only person who's been here this long. And everybody's, I've seen everybody come. I've seen everybody go. And it's like what you can imagine those, the, the immortal, you know, like the Dorian Gray or whatever, these immortal people who don't age and they just they have to watch all of their friends die, you know, and they just keep on living. And it's, it's kind of like that. And I haven't had that as much, although my first group of friends, when I sort of first moved to Rome, the first couple, let's say four years that I lived in Rome, almost all of those people are gone. There's like two or three people out of 20 people that Mm. are still here. And it is kind of sad. You think, oh, it makes you, makes you become sentimental. The good old days. Oh, remember the good old days when so-and-so and so-and-so lived here and not that recently, about a year ago, I met a girl through a friend of mine. And it was one of those things where like, as soon as I met her, I just felt a connection with her. And there was some kind of just some kind of spark, almost kindred spirits. I just felt like that could have been a real long lasting, deep friendship. And she just moved back to the States. She hadn't planned to move back so soon. But certain circumstances and events caused her to move back. And I just feel like I didn't know her for long enough to now really feel like we're going to keep in touch. Like maybe we will, you know, on social media, that kind of thing. But, but we weren't, you know, we weren't long-term friends, so we we might not. And Mm. it's just such a shame. And I feel like that happens so much when you're an expat. I mean, it can totally happen in your own city, of course. But I think because of that, because that happens so often, you sort of cling to your historic friendships as like the gold standard. That is what you're striving for in terms of friendship. That is what you want to replicate. You could never quite replicate it. And then you go back and you realize that those people have moved on. <laughs> it's sad. Yeah, They still may love you, but it's just, you are not their gold standard. Well, I think that that might not necessarily be true, but I think it is true that you've been gone for 16 years. I mean, I see how much my friendships have been interrupted just by being gone for a few years. But this is the interesting thing, too, is that I don't know that most people or everyone has these long-term friendships like we have. I am constantly told by people that it's kind of extremely highly unusual that you would still be friends with people from your high school. And pretty much everybody I've ever met has said, oh, I don't know anyone from high school. I know people from college, College. maybe. I know people that I met in my 30s at this great job I had, and those are my longtime friends. But very few people say, yeah, my, my closest friends come from when I was a teenager. Our friendships, you and the people who I connect with you, It wasn't because we went to high school together. First of all, I didn't go to high school with you guys, but I went to middle school with you, but it was because we did theater together. Mm -hmm. And that's a totally different kind of atmosphere. It could be likened to, you know, if you're in an orchestra with someone, or if you are on a sports team, like an outside of school sports team, 
it's not the same as high school. It doesn't have the same, you know, the neg- the negative drawbacks of high school, all that negative, yucky, ugly stuff. Like none of that was at the theater. You know, that was our safe space. That was, you know, a space where we were with like-minded people. It was a totally different atmosphere. where We were really free to be ourselves. We weren't being judged. And there might've been little clicks within the theater, but pretty much we were all friends with each other. We were all kind to each other. And I think that that's, a big difference than, than staying friends with high school people, as opposed to staying friends with someone who you had a a closer bond with. Well, I think that's true. Although a lot of my other friends are not from the theater and they are from high school. You have a lot of friends from high school. I don't have any close friends from my high school. We were joking on a bonus episode (laughs) this month, which is just coming out. If you're interested in supporting the show and listening (laughs) to the bonus on Patreon, (laughs) um, we were joking about one of the things about me that is very prevalent is loyalty and whether or not that's a good thing and how people often compliment me on being very loyal. And I think loyal, is that a good thing? Is that like a, is that a compliment? And I know they mean it as a compliment, but we were joking about that on a bonus episode. And I don't know if it's loyalty, but yeah, there was something about those people. And I don't know the way that we stayed in touch and, stayed in each other's lives, you know, beyond the theater, why they were so important. And they are the people that I probably see the most. But that said, I I love meeting new people. I I would say the vast majority of the people that I spend the most time with now, I probably met in the last six years. But yeah, you're right. Those, Those deep, deep friendships. Well, I mean, does this make you feel like more gun shy about making friends in Italy and seeing as you're the you're the uh, immortal vampire of Rome <laughs> who's gonna like lose all these friends no you know what it is it's like I'm starting to want to make friends with Italians now finally <laughs> after <laughs> finally after 17, 17 years <laughs> no I have some Italian friends but I've recently made uh, an Italian girlfriend who I finally feel I I don't know how to describe this. It's like, there's always a little, there's always something different with my Italian girlfriends of whom I have very few, you know, I can be very friendly with them. We can chat, we can talk about anything, but there's always just something like there's a little barrier, little thin barrier between us. I can never quite go beyond, but in the past six months, I have become friends of an Italian girl. Who's just something different about her. There's something, I don't know, more international about her in some way. There's something American about her, even though she's not American at all. And I don't feel the barrier with her. And if I could meet more people like that, I think that it would be easier. I just don't feel the kinship as much with with Italian women. Hmm. I wish I did. I wonder, is there any kind of group? There's so many expat groups, so many expat social media groups, expat meetup groups. I wonder if there's any kind of group that's, I've emigrated to this country. Where are the other people here that have done that same thing? Yeah. I couldn't go to an expat meetup group because it would be all people who'd been there for like three weeks. Yeah. And then you just, I I would have nothing to talk about. I would have nothing to talk about because new expats always talk about the same things. What brought you here? It's universal. Like you can't go to an expat group or a social event of any kind and not be asked. So what brought you here? You know, it's just, I'm so beyond what brought me here. Change the subject, please. <laughs> I've been here for a long time. Yeah. So I need, yeah, I need people who have been here 
I mean, not to say that I wouldn't, I did, like I said, last year, become friends with someone who had sort of just arrived. So it's not that I would shun those people. It's just, I wouldn't put myself purposefully in a situation where I was only with people who'd been in Rome for two months or less. Yeah. Well, would you say that because of this, you're lonely? I think socially, I mean, I'm a very social person. I love being around people. I don't love being like at a big event, a big party with 20 people. I love being with like two or three or four people that I'm close to. And I do miss that for sure. But it wouldn't be enough to ever decide to move. Because I guess part of the the worry there would be that even if you were to move back, it wouldn't be the same. No, well, no, because my friends are in Seattle. I mean, my old historic friends are in Seattle and I wouldn't be moving to Seattle. Well, why not? It's too expensive. Oh, that's true. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's too expensive and the weather is crap. I'm sorry. I could never live. And my family's not there. If my family were still there and I, it was affordable and the sun shone every once in a while. No, it's not really about the weather. But if those two first two things, well, for sure. But I, I don't see myself living in Seattle again, sadly. Mm-hmm. But maybe somewhere that's close enough to Seattle that I could spend a lot of time there. I've been thinking more about like, how do you get bigger groups of people together? Because I, I, like you, I also love when there's more than one of us. I mean, I kind of thrive on the one-on-one engagement, honestly. But every now and then, I have this idea in my head that wouldn't it be fun to have some sort of artistic salon where... Oh my gosh, that's my, my dream. I know. We're that's my bu- dream. A whole bunch of people get together and like maybe you... Uh, present an idea for five minutes or or maybe it's a show and tell and you bring something from your house that nobody has ever noticed or commented on but that has some sort of real meaning or I don't even know I just think or maybe you you get to recite poetry (laughs) I know all this poetry by heart I have no one to recite it to I'm like I need a salon so that I can recite poetry to someone (laughs) my husband doesn't want to hear it anymore that's true and Aurelio probably can't sit through it he was who I used to recite poetry when he was a baby and I used to put him in the you know the little ergo thing that little baby carrier Mm -hmm. and I used to take super long walks I used to recite poetry to him well do you want to tell us a few lines before we go all right let's see if I can remember litany by Billy Collins you are the bread and the knife the crystal goblet and the wine you are the dew on the morning grass and the burning wheel of the sun. You are the white apron of the baker and the marsh bird suddenly in flight. However, you are not the wind in the orchard, the plums on the counter, or the house of cards, and you are certainly not the pine-scented air. There is no way that you are the pine-scented air. (laughs) It is possible that you are the fish under the bridge, maybe even the pigeon on the general's head. But you're not even close to being the field of cornflowers at dusk. It might interest you to know, speaking of the plentiful imagery of the world, that I am the sound of the rain on the roof. I also happen to be the shooting star, the evening paper blowing down an alley, and the basket of chestnuts on the kitchen table. I am also the moon in the trees and the blind woman's teacup. But don't worry, I am not the bread and the knife. You are still the bread and the knife. You will always be the bread and the knife, not to mention the crystal goblet and somehow the wine. That's so good. Isn't that a wonderful poem? I love that poem. That's amazing. I love it also because it just starts out so typical romantic poetry. Yeah. (laughs) 
That's He's making one. fun of the typical romantic poem. Yeah, exactly. I love that. I love that. See there, we just had our own little salon. And in some yeah, way, we- this community is a, some sort of link, even though we're never in the same room with each other. Well, I'm trying to convince you to come to Rome this spring. How's that looking? It's looking 50-50. We'll see if we can get the finances All right. together. All right. And the time to come. But it would be great if we did. I mean, think of all the cool episodes we could do. Not to mention sit in the same room with each other. I know. It's been a long time. It's been since you came here, I think, Mm -hmm. in 2018. It's been four years since we've seen each other. How is that possible? Well, I mean, there was this pandemic in the middle. There was this pandemic, yeah. (laughs) I was supposed to come in the spring of 2020. That was my goal. Yeah. So, you know, the idea of can I get over there every two years or so, but it turned (sighs) out that the answer was no. (laughs) But maybe. Hopefully this year. If cultural events over the past two years and continuing to this day have taught us anything, it's don't put off travel when you can do it because you might not be able to do it in the future. That's right. That's right. Well, we welcome your comments about this. If you've had experience giving up friends or finding new friends along the way, send us an email. You can always write to us at bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media. Yes. Just search for the Bittersweet Life Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. We will be there. And if you want to hear us joke about me being too loyal, among other things, (laughs) we have a very funny episode on our bonus episodes this month where... We found a thing created by the University of Washington called the Random Question Generator and went down the rabbit hole answering questions <laughs> that were indeed random, uh, but super fun to talk about. That's on the bonus episodes, which you can get if you join us as a supporting member of this show at patreon.com slash the Bittersweet Life podcast. You can also become a major donor or a recurring donor over at PayPal, and we'll share with you the way to listen to the bonus episodes as well. There are links in the show notes. Those of you who regularly support this show are the wind beneath our wings, but you are not the bread and the knife. Never. No. Only Katie is the bread and the knife. (laughs) (laughs) And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. You could sponsor this show and reach educated, curious, and compassionate listeners all over the world. Our listeners are a remarkable, diverse, and engaged group of people that I am so continually impressed by. Visit thebittersweetlife.net and click support to get the conversation started.